Good morning. Welcome to the Mystery Relevant Podcast. It's Thursday, September 28th. I'm your host, Jamie Mottram, and joining us on the call, as he does every week, it's a weekly tradition. It's Matt Searle. Hey, Matt. I'm really enjoying it that uh, two weeks makes a tradition. We're good. Yeah, so I felt good that we had consistently done a post-game podcast for the first two Redskins games. We were dubbing it overreactions. We were running through the offense, defense, special teams, coaching, broadcast, miscellaneous. It, it felt really good. And then Sunday night came about, and uh, my daughter broke her arm <laughs> like two hours before kickoff. Great timing, uh, daughter. Um, <laughs> no, but the, the way she did it, it was a very Redskins way to break your arm. Um, she, she signed a bunch of free agents and then broke her arm. Right, she just fell over. Um, she, she, <laughs> she, she was trying to stand on a football, like balance oh, on a football. And she, it, like, of course she fell and she fell awkwardly. And next thing you know, we're in the ER. Um, so I only mention this by way of explaining to the audience why we're doing the post-game podcast four days later. <laughs> I, I think uh, it's, you should just let them assume that we're haters who don't want to do a podcast when the team performs well. Uh, we should just start with that. Right. So, I mean, I guess it's a bad week to say it was a very Redskins thing to do, like her breaking her arm in that manner, because the Redskins looked incredible. Um, I, was, I was watching, you know after we got back from the ER and before we had to go to the OR the following morning at 5 a.m. for surgery, um, which is to say I wasn't really watching that closely. Um, it just seemed to, it seemed to be going pretty well. <laughs> it, uh, that's an understatement. Uh, I, I was, it's, the bad news is, I mean, I've had this long-time question. I had a buddy who for the Super, uh, excuse me, I wish, Super Bowl year, for the playoff year of, uh, I think it was 2007, he was out of the country. Uh, he's a huge, huge Redskins fan, and they went to the playoffs. So the question I've always asked him is, would you just move out of the country forever if it meant the team was going to be good? So this is where we find ourselves with you. Will you, uh, you know, injure a, a, a member of your family every week and sit in the uh, emergency room just to make sure this happens again? Uh, of course not. I mean, what, do you, what kind of psychopath do you think I am? But I did, in the emergency room, while you know she's in all sorts of pain, I did uh, find the inner strength and focus to fire up my DirecTV app and set the game to record. <laughs> so I felt like a good Redskins fan, but maybe yeah, not all heroes were cakes. Maybe a bad dad. <laughs> uh, let's run through. Let's run through. Uh, you know the overreactions. Um, starting with the offense and starting with your NFC offensive player of the week, Kirk cousins. Wow. So was this the best game we've seen from him? I don't, I mean, I, I would, my, my initial reaction is to say no, because I, I feel like he's had a lot of great games, at least numbers wise. There was a stat, I saw a stat this week that like, since the start of 2015, he has the most like 350 yard, three plus touchdown, zero interception performances. Um, which is to say, I think there's like extremely good Kirk and then there's pretty bad Kirk. Um, and this was extremely good Kirk. I, I think I'm going to argue that this was the best I've seen from him overall. Mm -hmm. Um, he may have, he's, he's definitely had statistically superior performances, but this was the Mm -hmm. first time, I mean, two weeks ago when, when they ran the ball 800,000 times, Mm -hmm. my argument in favor of cousins was like, Hey, you know, he did what we needed him to do, and that's fine. That's all. That's, if he can do that, I'm happier than if he can 
throw for 400 yards and lose. This game was that, only he was also good. Every time he needed to complete a pass, he completed the pass. He only had, what, five incompletions. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he threw for, you know, 365 yards. People are saying, oh, there are a bunch of uh, screens and underneath stuff. But uh, he put the ball where it needed to be to break the guys loose and, and get, um, you know, yards after the catch. I, I don't want to give him all the credit for Chris Thompson's, you know, 150 receiving yards. But, like, you know, the ball was where it needed to be, when it needed to be there, and on the downs when it needed to be there. I was impressed as hell. Uh, with this version of Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I mean, it was like a flawless performance, especially when you consider all the... I mean, this guy had a lot going on. Uh, His wife was past due for the birth of their first child. I can't imagine playing, like, on national television, whatever, in the NFL under those circumstances. Like, when my wife was past due, I was basically, like, not leaving her side and not, like, you know, having a sip of alcohol, etc. So that's a lot to... That's a lot, you know, to be playing with. But then also, you know, the whole NFL, uh, you know, story of the weekend was wrapped up in this, um, you know, stuff with Trump and and calling, you know, Trump calling NFL players are taking these sons of bitches and fire them, get them off the field. And we all know that Kirk Cousins and Donald Trump are very close golf buddies. They're bros. I mean, as they should be. And I have to say that has gone largely unmentioned. I know, you know, uh. Dan Steinberg tweeted out a picture of it, and mm-hmm. there were a few a few references. But I feel like Cousins has largely skated by on that in the face of uh, you know a lot of drama. Yeah, I mean, they went golfing once, and whatever he was. In, it sounds like he was invited or had the opportunity to play golf with the president. He played golf with the president. Fine. It's just not a good look, like smiling Kirk with with his buddy Don, you know, like while the rest of the league is is like, oh my gosh, this is a crisis. We need to deal with this uh white supremacist in the white house um all right i'm gonna have now we're gonna be on fox news um moving along can we talk about the real nfc offensive player of the week chris thompson aka chris army knife which is a great great nickname Uh, and and a handsome shirt i might add oh thank you very much more on that later we have we have mr relevant sponsor uh that we'll talk about later um yeah so chris thompson this is so coming into this season uh, you know, I thought Chris Thompson was good. You know, I thought he was like a, a pretty good, you know, pretty handy third down back to have around when they re-signed him right before the season started. I was happy about that. But these first three weeks, he's been such a difference maker. And his numbers are incredible. He yeah. was awesome on Sunday night. Yeah, well, he had, uh, he had what, 188 total yards, um, 150 of them receiving. I, it's, it's funny because they signed him to the extension and it was like, hey, that's great. He's, he's good. And then now it's like, well, I mean, if he could continue to actually literally be Marshall Falk for the next two years, <laughs> that's a hell of a contract. That's a steal. Yeah. yeah. If, you, if you can you get, really get Marshall Falk for like, you know, uh, whatever, Chris Thompson money. Uh, yeah. I mean, so I think he's averaging like per touch. Let's just combine the rushes and the receptions. He's averaging like 15 yards a touch. He has four touchdowns in three games. And I mean, really like the Redskins receivers weren't that big of a factor in this game. Jordan Reed didn't even play. Uh, you know, like Doxon had that nice catch. Vernon Davis had looked pretty well, uh, pretty, yeah. pretty good at a touchdown and another nice catch and run. But it was the Chris Thompson, Chris Thompson show. And that was like more than enough. I feel like, I feel like it was the Chris Thompson and Vernon Davis show. Mm-hmm. I, I was in, really impressed with Vernon Davis who last year, 
looked like you know had that wily veteran thing where like he's he's good it's he knows what he's doing he's mm-hmm. in the right place he makes mm-hmm. the catch but this looked a lot closer to old vernon davis but yeah i mean if chris thompson can keep this up that offense you can do without for example deshaun jackson if chris thompson is going to do this you needed a playmaker to replace him and this would be uh, a 15 yards in a cloud of dust would ca- would qualify as a playmaker in my book uh, Vernon Davis, by the way, five catches on five targets, 58 yards and a touchdown. And, I mean, touchdown. and, and I agree. Like he was good last year, but he, he just looked good Sunday night. Like I'll have what he's having. Yeah. He, me, he, me too. He's like a 32 year old, you know, 10 year NFL veteran. I, I didn't know I, he's like aging in reverse. I'm not sure how that's possible. Um, but you know, 33 year old, I, I think that's actually a big deal because Jordan Reed, I mean, you, you can't feel good about him playing more than like half the games. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that maybe. Seems right. Yeah. <laughs> and th- that's tough. Cause I love Jordan Reed. I think other than Trent Williams, he's our best player. Uh, but you know, if Davis is going to step up, maybe that won't be that much of a loss. Um, so this is kind of a weird thing. Again, I was in a kind of a, I was in a hazy state Sunday night. Um, dealing with my, my daughter who went and broke her arm and, you know, inconvenienced me. Um, so selfish. I know. God. Uh, the offensive line like looked great in individual moments and had like these highlights, like Brandon Scherf, Scherf, like blowing somebody up down the field, but their run numbers were not good. Like they had trouble, uh, consistently running the ball. Well, I I would say more specifically, good old Samaje P. Ryan had mm-hmm. trouble running the ball. So That's maybe true. we won't maybe we won't need to remember how to pronounce his name. He was what? He was nineteen for like 48, 49. Nineteen for forty nine. A very Jamie Morris. Uh, nineteen for forty nine. <laughs> so uh, it looked more like a Jamie Matra nineteen for forty nine. Mm. He he burn. He, yes, sick burn, bro. <laughs> um, like when Mac Brown came in, and admittedly. Uh, you know, the, the Raiders were likely gassed and the game was uh-huh. out of reach yeah. and, and so on and so forth. And it was at that point, it's kind of like preseason. And Mac Brown is, of course, a, uh, a fourth ballot preseason Hall of Famer. Um, mm-hmm. But he looked good. He was hitting the hole. He was decisive. He was gaining yards in, as they say, chunks. He had in the end six carries for 27 yards, but it looked better than that. Um, I, I kind of think... Uh, P. Ryan doesn't quite know what to do on the NFL level yet. What it looked like to me, and this is wild speculation, but it looked like in college he got by on strength and you know uh, the, just a general inability to be tackled. And it turns out that when you're playing against pros, that is not enough. So I think he hasn't quite worked out how to adapt his skills to the NFL. But I thought the offensive line uh, looked great um, it, when he was not in there. On, on all mm-hmm. other plays, mm-hmm. I thought they looked really good. Right. Well, I mean... So Piran was 19 for 49. Um, Chris Thompson was 8 for 38. And Mac Brown was 6 for 27. So, yeah, they were effective with everybody other than Piran. I haven't really followed it this week. Like, heading into the, the Monday Nighter against Kansas City, does it still sound like Piran is going to be the featured back? Or will Brown and Thompson maybe get more of the action? I think what I was hearing was that they're actually trying to get Kelly back in there. I think Gruden returned to his like lead dog comments. I had unless... already, I had already forgotten about Rob Kelly. Yes. <laughs> Rob Kelly is a thing that exists. Um, and actually I've, I've been harsh on Rob Kelly and thought he was kind of just a guy, but um, given P Ryan's performance, maybe Rob Kelly is, is more than just a guy. So we'll see. Uh, before we move on from the offense, uh, 
just shout out to Josh Doxson. Like, I mean, I, I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw that he made a big play. Like, he actually caught a bomb. That was incredible. I couldn't, I couldn't either, but now I have, to, I have to put all the Malcolm Kelly jokes back in, the, back in the shelf until we draft another eternally injured wide receiver. Really disappointing. I got to say, though, that was a weird play, and, and I've seen, like, a little bit of chatter here and there on Twitter this week. I, I think, like, Doxon himself being like, you know, now Kirk knows he can trust me. I'm like, can't, does he know that? You know, like, like it was, it was a great play, but when you look at like the slow-mo, it's almost like the ball went right through his hands, bounced off the DB and somehow Doxon like held onto it, you know? Well, it takes a special uh, talent with a real gift to be able to work that bounce play. I mean, you can't, not just anybody can do that. <laughs> right. I mean, it was great. I mean, I, I, obviously the whole night was great. Well, not the whole night, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> picture your daughter just glaring at you. Right. All right. So before we move on, to, you, anything else with offense? Anything else on um, offense side of the ball? Let me think. Uh, what do we think about Terrell Pryor at this point? I, I liked that they weren't force feeding him as much. Like, I feel like he needs to ease in a little more. Sure. Uh, he came in hot. You know, they came in hot, like giving him a, just a ton of targets the first couple of weeks. He had a lot of drops. Uh, I'm looking now. He had f- two catches on four targets. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, For 19 yards. Yeah. I mean, so obviously it wasn't like a difference maker, but I, I'm, o- I'm okay with that. I feel like he, he has great potential, but he's still like on, on the way. I think um, I'm, I'm sure I'm willing to give him time to wait too, as long mm-hmm. as the rest of the offense is putting up, you know, 350 yards without him. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. I, I, it worries me because it does not feel like they have a true number one. Crowder feels like he is still best served being sort of a, an option out of the slot, but mm-hmm. he's not going to lead anything. Dotson, Dotson, whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to so say. Far, it's hard to uh, say. Deep threat kind mm-hmm. of guy. I don't know. It's worrisome. It, it yeah. concerns me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, all right. Before we move on to the defensive side of the ball, I do have an announcement to make. Uh, MeUndies. Come on, MeUndies. Early in the week on Twitter. Uh, I have a new job. Uh, I'm now working at a startup called Breaking Tea, uh, breakingtea.com. We make t-shirts. Uh, we make t-shirts that kind of commemorate these big moments and like kind of trending moments in the world of sports. Um, trending topics turned into awesome t-shirts, more or less. And we did one this week, uh, Chris Army Knife, that I think any Skins fan would appreciate. And we have a special discount for Mr. Irrelevant Podcast listeners. Uh, if you would like to get the Chris Army Knife shirt or any of the shirts on BreakingTea.com, just use discount code MRIPOD. That's Mr. iPod, MRIPOD, and you'll get 15% off your total purchase. Uh, offer good for one week only, expires next Thursday, whatever that date is. Um, so get in there, support uh, you know, my new venture, support the Mr. Relevant podcast, get some awesome shirts. Um, feed my family. Uh, I would appreciate it. I assume the, the the discount code was actually a scam they did on your daughter while you were in the hospital. That's why we're doing the MRI. <laughs> right. Well, uh, she did get an MRI. There and, you go. And it was it was that in that moment where I realized, oh shit, like she's gonna have to have a surgery, um, like a major. Yeah, this is gonna be a deal. Um, yeah. The women who were like doing the the uh, X rays, they they they're not. I think they're like not allowed to speak on it. You know, they're not allowed yeah. to kind of be like, oh, yeah, she broke it in half. But 
they gave me that look like, yeah, you're in for a long night, sir. <laughs> These results are suboptimal. Yeah. Look. yeah. Up until then, I just thought her arm was gross, you know, grotesquely disfigured. Um, <laughs> and it was in that moment that I realized not only was it bending in the wrong direction, but yes, it was also broken. Yeah. This all came to me via text messages where you're like, yeah, I don't think we're going to be able to do a pod because, uh, you know, my daughter broke her arm in my head. I'm like, oh, kid broke her arm. She'll be okay. And then like the next text was however many, 12 hours later, where you're like, yep, still in the emergency room and that's when i realized that it was a, a, a probably a major issue so i hope you're doing better <laughs> fun night fun night mm. um okay let's move on to the defense which had uh their best game in 25 years <laughs> by some by various metrics i think maybe by like total yards allowed i think it was their best game since 91 um something like that there was just ridiculous facts and figures you know throughout the game i think Oakland didn't top 100 yards until the fourth quarter. I might yeah. have that wrong. Um, no, you're correct. It was it was garbage time that got them over 100 yards. It was just an incredibly dominant performance, like, kind of like the Chris Thompson thing, which is has kind of been happening now for you know a month. But with the defense, like I didn't see that coming at all. No, no, and and I would say that one of the metrics by which this was one of the best performances in 25 years was the simple eyeball test. I mean, it was weird. It made me realize how many negative things I just naturally assume. Like, if they get to the quarterback, I assume he's going to break out and break contain and run. Uh If the receiver catches the ball, I assume the first guy is going to miss. If the ball (laughs) hits the defensive player, I assume, like, best case scenario, he drops it. More likely it bounces off him into the hands of some, you know, Darren Sproles type who takes it 85 yards for a touchdown. (laughs) And this was, like, such a clinic of just football fundamentals was what was so bizarre to me. Like when, when the Raiders completed a pass, they just tackled the guy. And the first guy would tackle him. This was on special teams. Also um, the, you know, they had a downed punt called back by a, uh, a penalty and on the ensuing punt, which obviously I naturally assumed was going to come back for a touchdown. The, I think it was Nicholson, somebody, oh no, it was the, uh, the maybe Fabian Moreau it was one of the rookies. Mm-hmm. just got down there and solo tackled the guy. And there were things like that all over the field that like I couldn't believe what I was watching. I don't know. It's way too soon to do this, but I don't know if you can chalk it up to coaching um, to uh, it could have just been a fluke is what I'm saying. But if it's not, if they can sustain even 85% of what they were Sunday night, it will be much more of a pleasure to watch these football games. <laughs> well, a lot of what you're describing is just like general competence. Yes. <laughs> you know, like contain yes. the quarterback, like make the tackle, uh, that yes. sort of thing. But, you know, we had Mike Jones on the podcast last week, and a lot of the conversation was revolving around how, well, A, revolving around how Khalil Mack was just going to like ruin Morgan Moses and Kirk Cousins' life. Yeah. Um, but a lot of it talked about how this – Raiders offense is, is just stacked. You know, I mean, Derek Carr was an MVP candidate last year. He's got really strong wideouts in Cooper and Crabtree, or maybe not, according to Josh Norman. He's got Marshawn Lynch. He's got one of the best offensive lines in football. And they could do nothing. They did nothing all night. They were and never threatening. No, from, from the very first play, you know, I don't, you didn't, couldn't hear the broadcast. I don't know if you had closed captioning on, but by the end of it, they were legitimately, they weren't doing the direct one-to-one comparison, but they were uh, alluding to Monte Nicholson, uh, like what's his name from the Seahawks, whose name is totally oh, Thomas. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. They're just, you know, just sure. Why not rookie? Uh, but, <laughs> but, 
<laughs> it's Swearinger taking down. Wait, were um, they really comparing comparing Monte Nicholson to Earl Thomas? It, it, not they. They didn't come out and say he looks like a young Earl Thomas. It was more like uh, he, he's. He, you have a guy who can. I think he covered the distance. He was playing center field and covered the distance to make a tackle. Uh, and, yeah, I, and, and uh-huh. they were making the comparison in that specific instance. Right. Right. And Swearinger, like, like totally leveled Marshawn Lynch. It was, very, it was a very Cam Chancellor type moment. I, I, think, I think we now have the Seahawks defense from the past five years. We now have sure. that level of play. Oh, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> you can I'm expect that. To, yeah. I'm willing to make that assumption. You know, because I, I, I mean, when, when, what's his name? Matt Ioannidis, is that his name? Mm-hmm. Mike? Mark? Mm-hmm. What, was, what is that guy's name? Uh, anyway. Matthew yeah. Ioannidis? Yeah, yeah. When we drafted him, I I was like, oh, absolutely. Here comes the Seahawks defense. Right. Um, but he looks great. He looks good. Yeah. Everybody looked good. It was really, really weird. Um, Zach Brown looks great. It looks like one of the best free agent signings. I do not understand why he didn't cost more money. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan Kerrigan um, continues to be amazing. Um, it's really, It was really weird, man. Like, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Uh, that's my detailed okay. analysis okay. is why? Well, here's, here's, here's a detailed analysis. In week one, they gave up 30 points. In week two, they gave up 20 points. In week three, they gave up 10 points. In week four, they will give up zero points. <laughs> sure. <laughs> in, in week six, after the bye, negative 10 points. That checks out. I um, mean, you can't fight math. Right. It's just, that's just math. Um, but the two units that you're probably most concerned with well, like, I don't know, is safety a unit? <laughs> I guess they're like half a unit, like half of the defensive backs. You're worried about safety, but they've got Nicholson who's emerged and Swearinger who's, who's played well and been a you know, real leader on that on the defensive side uh, and, and the defensive line. And Ioannidis looks really good. Jonathan Allen looks good and just like keeps getting better and better. Like when you couple, if, those, if, the, if safety is secure and if they've got a you know, decent, let alone like actual like plus defensive line. Well, their corners are good. Their linebackers are good. Like Preston Smith's playing really well. In addition, he's out of his mind. Yeah, like they might actually be an average to above average defense. And I <laughs> could not have, have imagined myself saying that like two weeks ago. Yeah, get get so you got to think of like a steel curtain pun that translates into roughly average defense uh, for your t-shirt. Well, they've be been great. so bad defensively. You know the last. I mean, even the last two years, they were winning seasons, right, Matt? Um, oh nine and seven. Please, and eight, please, seven and one. just stop. Just it's Redskins football. Eight wins is calendar. not a winning season. It's just not. <laughs> well, I mean, t- actually, it is when you only lose seven games. I, it's it's not it, it, morally. It is not ethically. <laughs> it is not. I fundamentally object to considering eight wins unless there is a strike. And multiple games go unplayed. Eight wins is not a winning season in the NFL. Well, I would say this. It's technically a winning season. I hate you. (laughs) Also, they didn't make the playoffs, so who gives a shit? You know what I mean? You're right on both counts. You can celebrate. Like, I I don't think you should be celebrating a nine-win season either if it doesn't come with, with the playoff berth. Well, you know what? That actually, that, that's, I think, more of what I'm saying, is that the eight-win mm-hmm. season, uh, you know, the, the eight-win winning season, if that had come first, and then mm-hmm. the next year you go to nine wins or ten wins and you are improving, I can see maybe counting the eight, seven, and one as the start of the turnaround. Mm-hmm. But, like, trying to claim that that is sustained success 
when it is in fact just a reversion to abject mediocrity is is it's it's a crime against language and humanity. <laughs> I'd be fine if the defense was average to above average the rest of the okay. way because I feel you're, like the offense is also average to above average, and if you could couple those two things, then you're looking at a third straight winning season of. Eight wins or more. <laughs> Eight, six, and two this year, baby. We got it locked up. <laughs> uh, I mean, the other thing while we're just talking about like playoff contention is um, it's also been a really good couple weeks for the rest of the NFC East, like from our perspective. The Giants are 0-3, and their head coach is, is like one of the most likely guys to get fired. Uh, the Eagles, I guess they did squeak out a win, but they look shaky and are now 2-1, and one, I think. Yeah. Uh, Dallas is 2-1. and one. Um, but nobody has really emerged as like, oh yeah, this is going to be like last year's Dallas team where you better win 12 games if you want to keep pace. Like this feels more like if you're like in striking distance of 10 wins, like you got a shot at the division. Well, and, and, and the rest of the NFL, I think has looked good from our standard because, uh, the game, the win against the Rams, Um, looked much more impressive last Thursday night, a week ago, when the Rams came out and looked like the 99 Rams. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. The the loss to the Eagles looks much more like, oh, hey, maybe that was two good teams Mm -hmm. playing each other. I mean, this is the classic three weeks in the NFL is a small sample size. You don't know what's what. But between beating the Raiders, uh, having a win over the Rams, who are not as bad as everybody thought, and the loss coming to the Eagles, who actually look, you know, decent, okay, Um, all of a sudden – what felt hopeless after week one. I mean, do you remember our overreactions week one? It was, um, yeah, that was, that was actually, it was probably the worst I felt all season. Uh, clearly, yeah. but maybe, yeah. our, maybe our best work. It, it was, it was really impressive. I like uh, Dean Blandino helped us along. Oh, to be fair to him. I missed Blandino this week. We were on NBC, not Fox. I know such a disaster, yeah. but, but we, we did have a, uh, I, I don't know. Al Michaels. I feel like I, I could listen to forever. I don't know. Anything else, on, anything else on our mediocre defense? Um, yeah. Uh, I want to go back to the coaching question. Is mm-hmm. it possible that this, like, um, this combo of Minuski and Tom Sula is, is like a legitimately useful set of defensive coaches? And if so, who was the last Redskins defensive coordinator that you felt like was like, hey, we, glad we got that guy on the sidelines? Greg Williams? Boy, I forgot about him. The extra G, yeah, the extra G, G is for forget. Um, <laughs> I don't. Uh, I, I, what was the string between here and there? I, I don't really recall any defensive competence. Um, you know, because we had uh, oh my gosh, what's his name Hazlitt for so long, and that was a disaster. Oh God, yeah. I mean, he was like the, I'd say like four years. I gotta, I gotta look this up. It was like four years of being ranked in like the bottom third of, of the NFL in defense. Yeah, and it was, it was a really uninspiring bottom third, also, and it was an entirely predictable bottom third. Was the worst part, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of what, what would be exciting about these guys is uh, five years, it, five years from was it five full 20, years twenty ten to twenty fourteen. He was our defensive wow. coordinator. That is, uh, a, that is a commitment to mediocrity. Came man. straight from the Florida Tuskers. Well, listen, we can't bash the Tuskers because it, it's where we got, like, everybody on our offense. Yeah, we should be from. looking at the Tuskers' current roster and, and coaching staff so we can see, like, the Redskins' future. <laughs> because, like, I mean, we got, we got who? Hazlitt, Gruden, McVeigh, all McVay. from the Tuskers. Yeah. If, 
if if the Rams and the Redskins were both to sustain the performance from this previous week and have have a top notch season, you would be talking about the uh, the UFL coaching tree that's just spreading through the National Football League. It would be whoa. It would be amazing. I've got I've got a, a, a quick bit of interesting relevant information here. Well, it's not really relevant. The Florida Tuskers actually became the Virginia Destroyers. <laughs> they moved to Virginia in the UFL at the Virginia Beach Sportsplex, where they played their home games. <laughs> well, I, you know, I got engaged in Virginia Beach many years ago, so uh, interesting. I, I feel a stronger kinship with them already. You know, we didn't mention Josh Norman by the way, who had one of the more notable evenings all around. Sure. Uh, so he went from ar- being arm-in-arm arm with Dan Snyder pregame. A sweaty, sweaty Dan Snyder, by the way. I mean, I'd be, I'd be sweating too if you knew all your Republican buddies were <laughs> watching you. <laughs> Maybe they won't notice me. <laughs> watching your social activism on live TV. Yeah. Um, by the way, I just... I, seeing Snyder and Alan out there arm-in-arm... It just did, didn't make me feel good. Just turned the noted, stomach a little bit. <laughs> noted social liberal, uh, um, the, the retort, notoriously liberal Allen family of Virginia. I just, just feel out like there. the Snyders and the Allens, were, Snyder and Allen are probably just, I mean, I think it's been reported. Like they were just yeah. like figuring out how they could play this whole thing. Like the whole time leading up to the Sunday night kickoff. Like what can we do that will be the least offensive to anyone? <laughs> you know, like how can we, oh, I know. Let's just... Let's just go arm in arm for unity. <laughs> yeah. Who, who was it? Somebody had the story over at the Washington Liz Post. Clark. Was it, was it Liz yeah. Clark? Mm-hmm. That was a great and abjectly depressing um, uh, 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 story, although totally unsurprising. And, you know, did you read uh, Dan's piece yesterday about, like, what are these protests about over yeah. the sports bar? Yeah. I, that really summed it up. Like, uh, can somebody, uh, maybe I'm just dense, but, like, what, what is the, the arm in arm thing? What are we? What are we supporting? Like, what are we unified against? I I'm not sure. I'm not, I really am not sure. Um, I, and I think it varies from team to team. And I just felt like with the Redskins, it was like their players making a statement that we're in this together. And I think the front office making the statement that uh, you know we're just doing what everyone else is doing. Yeah, making the statement that we are the national night game, and we've seen since nine thirty this morning <laughs> right. uh, everybody else doing this, so we'd better get out there. Right. Um, it was. I, I found it. I, I, I'm finding it slightly distasteful. Um, th- this not understanding thing. And again, you know, we don't we don't want to get political or whatever, but. I, you know, Kaepernick's protest was against something. He was saying something. He knew what he was saying and he was doing it. Uh, I feel like everybody else was basically protesting the president being mean to them. And, uh, you know, it's, it, I don't know. I, the whole thing was weird. The whole thing struck me really weird. And I'm glad the on the field product was good so that I didn't have to spend the whole week thinking about this. Mm-hmm. Um, but Norman went from that pregame moment to having a really great game and the, you know, Raiders wideouts did nothing. Um, to having a terrific on-field interview mm-hmm. afterwards. That was great. That was uh, great. Where he called Trump a tyrant. And then a 20-minute session in the locker room where I just think the most notable thing isn't exactly, isn't like what he was saying, but how he was saying it and just like how passionate that dude is. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's like he has no exterior. Like just what is on his mind and on his heart, like you can just see it. 
Yeah, and I would have worried that he was acting, but having seen him in the cell phone commercials, I know that he uh, can't act. So um, it's he must be sincere, uh, right. which is good. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and in between him and then Swearinger, who didn't do anything with the social stuff, but appears to have sort of uh, decided to be a locker room leader from the moment he walked in the door, which I might add also always strikes me weird. But like. Uh, the defense has some personality. It has some leadership. It may or may not have some coaching. Uh, they may have a grasp of the fundamentals. Um, it's, it's, if they can sustain it, and I feel like this is the eighth time I've made a comment like this, if they can sustain it, God, what a, what a difference it is watching a team that plays like that, man. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, the good news is that, you know, between my three kids, they have five other arms. <laughs> yes. So that gets to seven wins. Um, okay, so... <laughs> Which is a winning season if you tie three times. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, special teams. I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't know if there's anything to talk about with kicking, punting, whatever. But uh, J- like Jameson Crowder botching another punt return and having it be a fumble recovery for the Raiders in deep in Redskins territory. Like at that moment, I did start to worry that the Redskins were like just killing it and like, destroying Oakland, but that Oakland was still in the game. You know, it seemed like a very Redskins moment to say like, oh, here you go. I know we've just totally dominated the game, but, you know, whatever the score was then, say it was like 14 nothing. Here's, here's a chance for you to come back. Yeah, and you're not wrong, and that's how it felt, but what, that goes back to what I liked about Cousins' performance and the defense's mm-hmm. performance was that it turned out that, like, no, if everybody else plays well, you're allowed to make a mistake or two, and it's still okay. Um, uh, yeah, I, I'm worried about Crowder. That's a concern, no mm-hmm. doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that Tressway looks great. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's sustainable or provable or if it's just he's happened to have some good hits, but he's looked good. Um, the coverage, I cannot emphasize enough how impressed I was by the coverage of kicks and punts on special teams. So, you know, if the one mistake is going to be a really bad one, that's obviously not great, but that that you know i'll take it <laughs> I, well and, and i don't want to make too much of it i mean also i think crowder's pretty sure-handed i'm, I'm still in the camp that like these two botch punts were were kind of gaffes and fluky um but just the um, i guess the larger point of like how was this game so close it was 27 10 despite the redskins having like one of the largest uh like yardage differentials in NFL history, uh, they were plus two in turnovers. I think well, not well, not in turnovers because there was the uh, punt fumble recovery, and then also the Piran fumble. Um, so I guess there was a push on on turnovers. But weren't there also like a couple, maybe like coaching decisions at some point where they they could have gotten some points but didn't? I feel the like right one, before the half there was something. The big one was at the end of the first half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they. Uh, I don't even remember exactly what they did. Let me. It, they elected to punt um, rather than going for it on a fourth and one with 22 seconds left. Oh, um, yeah, they, from like the 35 or 40 yeah. or something. Maybe the yeah. 40. It was like probably just out of range. Yeah. I, I, I didn't object to the decision because the defense looked so fundamentally sound. Uh-huh. Uh, that, like it wasn't – that's what I keep coming back to. It wasn't like they had made some great hero plays and were therefore winning. They had looked so reliable and so good that it was like, you know what – we get the ball coming out of the half. Um, the offenses looked reliable. The defenses looked reliable. We are up 14. I am comfortable uh, punting the ball. But, yeah, I mean, I, again, 
it felt like they, it didn't feel like they left points on the field so much as they just, if they had needed to, they could have scored more points. Right. Um, and I so, guess, I mean, they, uh, they were up like the whole game and I guess it was maybe something of them just like taking the air out of the ball, so to speak. Joe Gibbs style. <laughs> um, anything else on special teams, coaching, hell, anything about this game in general? Coaching, I mean, I think you have to give at least a nod to Gruden. I was coming out of the Thursday game. I almost, uh, I think I tweeted this. I almost demanded that we overreact to last Thursday's Rams uh, Niners tilt. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, coming out of that, it was really easy to think, oh, McVeigh was the one who could get the best out of Cousins. McVeigh was the one who drew up the high-scoring offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, without him, Gruden is totally just a guy. Um, but I think you have to give credit to Gruden. I mean, it looked like the team was ready to play, motivated, excited. He called a good game. You can object if you want to that end of the first half. But on the whole, like, let's give some credit where it's due. If this was, even if this was the best Gruden can do, I'm, that's, it was pretty good. It, was, it, was a, it looked good. Yeah, I mean, no qualms. I think before week one and then certainly after week one, I was very down on the Redskins. Like, I've, I felt like I had gone from them you know, being in the mix in the NFC East and, and for another, you know, um, winning season of, of eight wins or more. Um, right, exactly. Six, four, and four, man. I had fallen all the way down to like, this is a five and 11 team. Six? I'd, I'd fallen down all the way to like, this is a five and 11 team. And right. now I'm, I'm back up to where I was preseason at least. Like I'm back up to them being like at least an average team and in that like nine win mix. Sure. And if you can get a tie in there, then you're, you're an even more of a winning team. You get like a... Right. A, Big old, you know, nine, nine, five, and two. A tie Ooh. is like it's half a game. It's half a game it's, in the standings. I think it's um, it's it's almost like a win if you've been watching this team for twenty five. But years. but then again, I mean, everything could change. The schedule is not easy. Uh, they're, no, they're at Kansas City Monday night. They're seven point underdogs. Uh, I think Kansas City all time against the Redskins is like nine and one or something like that. It's like a super one sided matchup. Not that that really matters. I mean, we're talking about you know like Lynn Dawson versus you know, Sonny Jurgensen at this point. Um, but I, I don't think anyone expects them to win that game. I certainly don't. Uh, and I don't think it really matters. Like as long as, you know, they, they show up and are, and are competent and there's no like devastating injuries, like heading into the bye at two and two feels like a win. I would agree with that. And, and I will say that if they show well, if they are competent, I mean, I think it speaks really well of where this team is. Um, uh, what do you think is going to happen? What's your, what's your prediction for Monday night? Um, I think it's going to be a good game. And I, I think there's going to be some points on the board. I was looking at the, the, the gambling lines on this. The over-under is 49.5. That's tied for the highest over-under line for the week. Um, Yes, I don't know. I feel like the team's clicking. They got a lot of confidence. Of course, that's everything you would say right before they, they just, you know, lay a turd. Um, but I feel, I feel pretty good about it. I feel like it's, it's, like, it's like a no-pressure game now that they got that Oakland game under their belt. Like, we can kind of enjoy this one. Agreed, although with two national televised games back-to-back, it's sort of, you know, the, what, what happens in this one will really determine... Uh, especially going into the bye, which is the following week, correct? Yeah. Um, it, it, it will really determine how this team is perceived. Um, I think I'm taking the under on that, that number, though. Um, I'm, I'm yeah. going low. 
Yeah, well, I can see that. I don't know. The one thing that scares me is like Alex Smith is kind of a sneaky mobile quarterback. And I, I think that's a problem for us. It always seems to be a problem for us, <laughs> like the quarterbacks who can run. Um, also a problem is really talented rookie running backs who regularly run for like 150 yards. That, that's historically been something that is not great for the Redskins. Yeah. Um, one, I mean, one factor also that I think is just interesting is, is uh, I was catching the Bill Simmons podcast and they kind of like go through the gambling lines and they talk about like they kind of do it sequentially from like the worst games to the best game. Mm-hmm. This is the best game. Redskins Chiefs is like the premier game of the week. Could you imagine saying that a week ago? Absolutely not. I, I, and w- um, the Monday night game is the best game of the week. I feel like that hasn't happened in <laughs> right. ages. Oh, and you know what the Sunday night game is? It's um, oh, it's, Col- a, it's Colts, Colts game. at Seahawks. Colts without it's the luckless Colts at the Seahawks. It's like the worst possible game. Luckless is, in fact, the title of the 2017 Colts uh, team DVD is going to be just luckless. Uh, That's good. I like that. You know what I would advise is is not drafting Andrew Luck um, in your fantasy league this year, which, uh, sorry, that already, I guess the the time of of that being helpful advice was was already passed, but uh, I did that. (laughs) (laughs) I did that. And my backup was Phillip Rivers, and now I'm 0-3. Okay. Um, Well... Again, you sacrificing for everybody else. We, we appreciate it. All right. Uh, anything else about the, the Chiefs game or whatever? Uh, no. I, I, hope, uh, I hope you don't, like, needlessly injure one of your children again. I would, like, I would like you to get to sit and watch this one. Because I will hopefully get to sit and watch this one, uh, it'll probably just be an excruciating game <laughs> probably just be a terrible game uh but i guess that's a win i mean the redskins losing and none of my children having to go to the er is probably a, a, a win um, well at a minimum it's like uh, an eight seven and one winning season it's like <laughs> right. uh all right before we go uh, i just want to remind everyone that uh at breakingtea.com they can get 15 percent you can get 15 percent off your purchase uh we've got a sweet chris army knife shirt um, and I'm not just saying that, like, I actually love this shirt. It's a good shirt. Um, we were, we were like collaborating on design concepts, Terrell and I over text, but also like, uh, my brothers were in on it. Uh, the breaking tea team it was actually fun to put it together. So anyway, check out the Chris army knife shirt, uh, check out breaking Use the coupon code, Mr. iPod. That's M R I pod for 15% off. And hey, we'll be let back. Me, let me, we'll let me ask back you Monday to clarify. Night. Hang on. Oh, go ahead. Let me suggest you clarify. Breaking T, is that T-E-E or just T? Just the letter T. Breakingt.com. But yeah, we'll be back Monday night unless um, (laughs) something terrible happens. Dear God, knock on wood, man. All right. Thanks, Matt. Talk to you later.